want to thank you once again for being here on this Father's Day. It's great to have you all here. Father's Day in our community, when I say our community, I mean primarily our African American community, is a hard day. 72% uh, of us in our community don't have a father in the home. So that means that 28% do have a father in the home. Another 28%. How many of them are active fathers? Father's Day is a hard thing. That's why on Mother's Day, and like I told y'all my mission. So if I'm trying to make Father's Day a better day, that means we got to, this, this sermon, when y'all, we get to the end of it, you understand, that's the real mission, to, to make better men so that those men can be better fathers. But to, at the core of it, that means you got to be a man of God. But Father's Day it's such a hard day in our community. You don't, I mean, I don't care where you go. You want to go to Harlem? You want to go to Southeast D.C.? You want to go to South Dallas? You want to go right here, so-called short North Dallas? You're not going to see a lot of Father's Day signs. You're just not. Now, Mother's Day, man, you can't be anybody. Folks is flocking to the church because mama go to church. You know, it's going to be on. But daddy, see, that's the flip side. But daddy normally doesn't go to church. We passed out 13 uh, roses on Mother's Day. 13. Great population of mothers. But on Father's Day, we passed out a few pins. Our men are not present in our churches or our homes, in our schools. And the truth is, when we go to the heart of the matter, the man was not present being a man in the Garden of Eden. Eden. Remember, Eve was the one speaking to the serpent. All Adam had to say, hey, hey, back up. That's my woman. Back up. You need to back up. That's what Jesus does for us. But Adam said silently. A lot of us men sit silently. Men, because there's no father in the home, us who are coming up that next generation don't know how to be a man. And the truth is, many of our fathers didn't know how to be a man. Especially in our community. The stigma of slavery is deep on our community. How can I be a man when my wife is being victimized by the slave owner? She can be called out anytime, anywhere, and I bet not say anything. To signify my marriage, I'm jumping a broom. There is no rings to transfer. There is no documents to sign. I'm used as a breeding tool more than just love. So that stigma of slavery is deep. It's a deep stain that many times we avoid. We don't recognize. We won't acknowledge. Then we move past there from Jim Crow on. Us as males have been called boy. And so when the 60s came, and remember, there were more men in the household during slavery time and Jim Crow than there is now. When we hit the 1960s, something happened. And we can talk about all the different effects that happened, but something happened deep that men were starting to usher out. But I want you to understand, God does want a two-parent household. He does. If he did not want that, then he would just have Eve. It would have been Eve, Cain, and Abel. It wasn't. You don't see that anywhere in the Bible, right? There's not Eve, Cain and Abel. Many of our households are set up like that because Adam and walked off somewhere. Mama is there. 
And then mama not there, then grandma's there. We can't say pawpaws there anymore. And big mama is not even big mama anymore. My big mama, when I was growing up, was about 60, 70 years old. Big mama now sometimes is 30. Tell me I'm lying. And so when big mama was there at 60, there was at least some kind of wisdom. I've been through some things to tell you some things. But as a 30-year-old, you just barely made it through. How you bet it's going to be difficult, am I right? So big mama, there's no more big mamas. There's no more papa. No more real big daddies. All of them are gone. We are now living in society, and I want to back up. We're going to go straight into our sermon. This is just the intro to it. We live in a society where when my daughter was born, and I will freely admit I did not want a daughter, not because I did not want my daughter, but because I knew what she was going to have to face and finding a good man, a good godly man, deep in his heart. There are many good women, but even my son, my son, whoever he marries, is more likely going to find a woman that he's going to have to address her daddy issues. That's deep, because now he's got to go and, and face all her daddy issues, because she herself did not get prepared. Many of our women have not been told they're beautiful. So they're looking for someone to tell you, I'm beautiful. Many of our women have not been loved by a man that's supposed to be their father in a godly way. So they're looking for that in our society. So you see, they keep making these mistakes. And so we come at this point where we had a critical point. I'm going to tell you, I need a repairman. I need a repairman. Now, ultimately, Jesus Christ is my repairman. But we come here in 1 Kings. 1830 says, And Elijah said unto the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. In our homes today, we have some broken down altars. What does that mean? What does the altar really mean? Am I in the presence of the Lord? Do I have a fellowship? First, before I have a fellowship, do I have a relationship with God. And then when I have a relationship, do I have a good fellowship with God? I need to repair me. Now, when you go in and, and, and you have something broke down in your house and you know you can't fix it, you really know. I mean, you're going to be honest with yourself. You can't fix it. Who do you call? You call somebody who's going to know how to fix it. Now, many of us growing up Especially without that father, you didn't have that. You know, when you watch like Wonder Years and the dad and the son, they're underneath the hood of the car and they work on the car together. Many of our boys don't have that, that scene in their life. Or remember when on like the uh, uh, Wonder Years, or even if you want to call it the Cosby Show, the uh, Theo and, 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 and Huck and Cliff, they're hanging out, you know, and he's sharing knowledge and all that wisdom. Many of us don't have that. Many of us are like on good times when James died and JJ was the head of the household, dynamite, and it looked a hot mess. Many of us are in that kind of stage when Michael seems to be the more mature person in the whole house. Many of us are living a good times lifestyle, 
But just like the song, Good Times, Layoffs, that's not good times. Bread lines, that's not good times. Ain't nothing in the song good. It's just the times. And so here, Elijah, Elijah, and let's set the stage. We talked about Elijah a couple times. We talked about Elijah, he was ready to quit. And that's going to be after this episode. We talked about Elijah and, and, and so forth. Here Elijah, and we talked about Elijah in the, in the brook. When the brook dries up, what do you do? Here Elijah is past the brook experience. He's past the experience with the widow. And he's come back to Israel. And he's asked by Ahab. And Ahab was a man who was not a real good man either. He was, and I understand you can be a male, a man, a male, and a man, right? He, just, he was a male. I mean, he looked like a man, but he wasn't really a man. Ahab deferred everything to his wife Jezebel. Today, you won't find a woman named Jezebel or Delilah. And when you do find them, you're like, mm, y'all don't know about you. You don't even want to be friends with somebody named Jezebel. It takes them a lot to overcome. It's just like having a friend named Judas. I don't know if I can trust you, brother. Let's just turn names. You ain't gonna name Lucifer. You're not gonna name Cain. You're not gonna name. Well, he had a wife named Jezebel. And Ahab was a weak, weak man. He deferred everything to Jezebel. He was the king of Israel. Jezebel was a true, she was a worshiper. She worshiped, but she worshiped the wrong God. Now, I want you to understand that there are people who are fervent in their faith, but they're on the wrong road. Sometimes we're like, well, they're a good person, and they always go to church. No, they don't go to church. They go to this and that. Church is the body of Christ. If it's not of Christ, it's really not church. And so Jezebel worshipped Baal. Oh, she brought Baal worship in. She, she, the whole nation started worshiping Baal. They forsook. God stepped aside. We're going to worship Baal. And so it had came to a point where they are on this mountain and Jezebel's not there. Ahab, Elijah came in. It's been this drought for three semi years and, and Elijah's come in and he's telling Ahab, hey, I've come back home. And Ahab is talking to him and, and Elijah's saying, well, if your God is so important, if he's so powerful, let's go on the mountaintop. Let's do a showdown. Now, some of y'all who like them old westerns, I want you to think about, you know, when you go to the OK Corral and they walking up, you got the man in the white hat, you got the man in the black hat, and you know the man in the white hat, he gonna walk up, and he gonna take his time. The man in the black hat, like, I got him, I got him. The man in that white hat, he's looking, he's smooth with it, because he know what he about to do, right? With the man in the white hat. And when it's time, boom, man in the white hat always gonna win. Well, that's what Elijah wanted. He said, I want to show down with your prophets. Your prophets of Baal, 400. Your prophets of Asherah, that's going to be 450. We're going to have 850 of your prophets against me. And I want all of Israel to be there. Because remember, at the OK Corral, everybody shows up. Now, no one's going to be in the middle because you don't want to get shot. But everybody's going to be by the saloon. Oh, look at that. So everybody's on the mountaintop looking. Everybody's on the mountaintop looking. And so here... He said, you know what? This is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to let you start off. Now, the man in the white hat don't even let the man in the black hat start shooting first. 
But he said, I'll let you shoot first. You pray to your guys. I'll tell Israel, you choose this day who you're going to serve. You can't be in the in-between anymore. You're going to have to choose a side. And so here, Elijah, he sits back, and they, they worshiping, they praying, and, and this is what he says. He says, look, let's, let's, put a, a, let's make sacrifices, too. Two bulls. And all we're going to ask is that fire rain down. That's all we're going to ask. Now, I don't know about you, but I have not been able to get fire rain down. You must be powerful in your walk and powerful in your connection with the Lord with that fire come down. That's all right. So, so these, these worshipers, they worshiping, they worshiping, all, they worshiping about six hours, like, come on with this fire. Elijah starts taunting. Is your God busy? Is he sleepy? Nothing come down. They start cutting on themselves. Nothing. Elijah comes to a point and he says, okay, now it's my turn. You had about six hours. My turn. He says, you know what? Put water on this altar. Put water around it. We're going to dig a trench. I want water. Fill it up. Now understand, there's been a drought for three years. And if you didn't have food in your house or drink in your house, and they were wasting water on this altar, we wasting water. Either you better do something powerful or you're going to get beat up too. Because I need that water. I don't know where all this water coming from, Elijah, but we've been having a drought for three years. The grass look raggedy, and I, we're struggling. We just hadn't had a drought. We had a famine. So we're going to kill good cow. That's some good steaks on there. And we're going to pour water down. Okay, Elijah. So everybody stand back. He fills it up. He tells God, God, show them who you are. Show them why I'm here. So that you are the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. You're the God that told Abraham there's going to be a promised land for you. You're the God of, of, of Isaac who said there's going to be many nations. You're the God of Jacob that said, Jacob, I'm going to bless you and change your name to Israel. And you're going to be limping around. But that limp is going to be a sign that I have touched your life. And so you know what happened? Fire came down. All that water that was there was dried up. The people were in awe and they repented and served God. At this point, this is when it says, And Elijah said unto the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near to him and repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Some of our lives, the altar, our relationship, our fellowship of God is broken down. The significance of the broken altar is Kathleen oh, bad. Okay. the significance of the broken altar is that we got to be real with ourselves we have broken altars in our life because of how we really living not our church living not just, not just 10 to 11.30 or, or 10 to 12 living not just I clean my car on Sunday so nobody think I'm a junkie car person this is the reason why I don't uh, drive my car up here I drive my wife's car. My, my truck's a junkie. I, somebody told me a theory a long time ago, you keep your car junkie, nobody's going to want to steal it. So it's in my head. It's in my head. And it's my, also my mobile office. How you want to take that? With no drawers or anything. But many of us are living like that, right? We come to church. Oh, I'm holy, holy, holy. 
But we live in a hot mess when we get out of here. When we get into the car, we live in everything else. When we get to the house, we live in everything else. And we know we live in contrary to God's word. God is calling us out of some things. He's calling us out of some of these generational curses that we have come at this point. Some of us have been dealing with alcoholism because we saw our daddy and mama deal with alcoholism. And then granddaddy and grandma deal with alcoholism. Some of us smoke because we saw our daddy and mama smoke. Or the cool person. We just, we've been doing some things over and over in our, in our families. Understand, Abraham was a liar. You saw his, his kids was a liar. Jacob was a liar. Joseph, look how the cycle keeps going. And it's only going to get worse and worse and worse, right? Because Abraham lied about his wife. By the time we get to Joseph, his brothers are lying to the father to say Joseph dead. We're getting that bad. The generational addictions, curses, whatever you want to call them, get worse over time. So we've come to a point in our society where we think wrong is right. We have men who justify why they don't have to be a father. Why they don't even have to get financial support. Well, the government taking care of you. They don't have to get emotional support. Well, my daddy didn't do that. that does that make your daddy right? They don't have to give any spiritual support. We have men that would justify why it's all right to beat up on a woman. We shouldn't did that to me. We have situations where we are justifying why our children is all right have this premarital sex. Well, I mean, the kids going to be kids. We just need to give them the protection. And then they are in a lifetime of trouble. Now, all the protection in the world saves you from all the STDs in the world. Just honest truth. We would justify wrong and make it right. But we've been dealing with that from the very beginning. God told us, don't eat from the midst of the, of the tree. Don't, don't do it. And we justify it. It is good for food. This is our issue. We would justify wrong all the time. Because if we did not justify wrong, we would not do it. We got to justify it to make it right. But we are making everything wrong right. Today they're even talking about this guy in our, uh, in our country who told all the secrets. And they're like, well, he's a whistleblower. No, he's a traitor. I don't know about you, but my mama told me, my dad told me, don't tell all our family business up at the church house. Why? Because ain't everybody need to know everything. Well, if everybody knowing everything, what happens? You don't have any family secrets. We're making everything that's wrong right. So, the significance is, when we have this broken altar, there is a barrier between us and the Lord. There's a barrier, the barrier of fellowship if we are a Christian. We have this, this barrier. We're not at our full potential in the Lord. And then if we are not saved by the Lord. That means I have not accepted Jesus Christ as my pro savior. That means I have not, not admitted that I'm a sinner. I need Jesus. Jesus died on the cross for my sins. He was buried and he rose from the grave on the third day. If I don't have that, I have even a greater barrier. The barrier between me and God is deep. It's a barrier that if I step over, I'm in the pit of hell. So that's the significance of a broken altar. What causes the altar to get broke down? 
if I don't, uh, if sin causes it, right? We're in a point right now in our community that we got to address some things. We have things like mental illness, we won't say anything. We're like, well, you know, uh, uh, you know, baby boo, she just do that sometimes. She got some mental illness problems. She needs help, but we won't address it. We have in our family people who, you're like, baby, don't, don't get on uncle's lap. Uncle got issues. What does that mean, uncle got issues? We all know what that means today. Uncle is a sex offender. But we hide these things. We're always trying to hide our sin. We're always trying to hide. Well, you know, Grandma got uh, her boyfriend. What does that mean? Why is Mr. Uh, Mr. Charlie here every day, uh, Mama? Is that our new granddaddy? Now, he lived with Grandma. That's Grandma's boyfriend. What are we doing? We, this is what I'm telling you. We're trying to hide and mask and make excuses and sugarcoat it, right? And God's going to keep it real with us. He's going to come at a certain point. He's gonna, you're going to get to him. And you're going to talk about all the good things you did. And God is not going to care. Jesus is not going to care about all the good things you did. He's going to care about the relationship that you had with him. Two different things. Because I can do a lot of good things for my wife. But if I have no relationship, this marriage is, is, is a hollow, hot mess. She can do some good things for me today. She can buy me a gift today. But if it has no meaning behind it, it's a terrible father's gift. I can give her flowers every day. But if I don't love the mess out of her, then you know what? Uh, it does not mean anything. But we do that with God. I come to the church. I, I pray. I say grace. I tell my children we don't do that. Or, you know, I read my scripture. John eleven thirty five, And Jesus wept. You know, I do that. I sing. I'm even on the worship team. I understand there's going to be some preachers who are going to say, man, they were some of the biggest, baddest preachers of all time. They had 10,000 in their congregation. They're going to be in the pit of hell because they did not know Christ. God does not care. He does not care about all the good things you did. The first thing he cares about is do you have a relationship with me? And if you have a relationship with me, then the fruit will bear itself. But you're worrying so much about the fruit, but you're not worrying about the root. And so the significance of that, the effect of broken altars, there's no rain. There's no rain. See, the effect of a broken altar, I want us to go back. They talk about children that have fathers in the home are more successful, better in school, better well-adjusted. It's not simply because they have the father, because normally if they have a father in the home, there's a mother there too. Those that don't have fathers in the household, and understand, men will gravitate at some type of man somewhere. Gangs are not here because, you know, I just want to be down. I want to wear blue. Gangs are here because men are trying to find that male role model. Even if that male role model might be two years older than them or five. They're looking for a male role model. Young girls are not going outside the house just to be with some man, just to be with them. They've been with that man because they're looking for a father influence. 
And some are struggling with that and, and they all confused because they're looking for that missing piece that the Father was supposed to give to them. The role that we have is so important. And I struggle with it because I think of the, it's not a burden, but it's a great responsibility. If I mess this up, I mess up my kids and my grandkids and so on. If I get it right, my kids will be blessed. Their children will be blessed. Tony Evans once said his father was not a Christian. His father was doing all kinds of stuff. And one day, and his daddy went to church. But one day, someone presented the gospel to his father. Now understand, until that point, the whole house is jacked up. Nobody knew Christ. So he got saved, and when he got saved, he came home. He started reading his Bible. His wife hated his gut. And he was reading his Bible one night, praying, and she came down. I've been treating you so bad. Why do you still stay here? And he shared the gospel of Christ with her. Changed her life. Then they put that life into Tony Evans, who then birthed Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship. So that happens. What you see at school, you see churches, all that good stuff. His children, singer, uh, 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 writing books, another one uh, in the ministry. All because of one man chose to accept Jesus Christ as a person Savior. See the impact of the Father. This, but when it's broken, things are jacked up. A majority of our males are in jail. Hard to get a job. A majority of our males have been incarcerated. Hard to get a job. A majority of our males have not been raised by a father. Hard to be a man because you don't know the game plan. A majority of our males are not in the church. We got pastors, we got some few deacons, but we're preaching to a lot of women. At Victory, we try to encourage brothers to come to church because the impact could be great. Because I know this, I'm not going to get every man who's supposed to be a father to their child to be here. But if I can get some other man to be a substitute for that man, then that child may grow, grow further than that. But that's because a man is here. Because that boy will search out a male figure. And if mama do a sloppy job with it, amen? Some of us have lived in the households with mama, I got five different uncles. And ain't none of them right. So the man that they're looking for is going to have such a great impact. But if I leave the altar broken, there's no more rain. See, I'm blocking these blessings. By letting the altar break down. So restoration must take place. When Elijah said, come here, let's restore this. When he put the altar back together, he was restoring Israel. He was saying, we are now going to be back on our path with God. In the Bible, it talks about in Ezekiel, I'm sorry, Exodus 34, that the men of Israel were supposed to come to God and his presence at least three times a year. Now, I don't know about you, but when you go into the Bible, you don't see that. And when we go into our churches, we don't do that. The men of all the men of Israel were supposed to come together 
and present themselves before the Lord. Remind themselves of that. Remind themselves and be in tune with the Lord. Now I'm going to tell you in 2014, we will be doing that at Victory. Where all the men, at least three times a year, we all going to get together. And we're going to call it a Superman conference. Because see, this is the thing. We, we need a Superman. Now I don't know about you, I, I watched a little movie yesterday. And I was like, you know what? Superman, you can be a Superman. Because see, this is the thing with Superman. Superman has a weakness. Kryptonite. You put some kryptonite on Superman's hip, he is a wimp. Anybody can be the Superman. He's just not human. Us as men have kryptonite. But you see, we have to get to a point that we got to understand that we're Superman. Superman was normal on Krypton. That's the old life. Some of us have gotten to a point where we want to stay on Krypton. We need to let it blow up. Because God is calling us to be something more. Now understand, when Superman got here, he became strong because of the yellow sun that he had. That radiation that came from the yellow sun. The yellow sun made him strong. On Krypton, they had a different sun. It wasn't yellow. So the yellow sun made him strong. We can be Superman because we have a son in Jesus Christ. And that radiation of his glory can shine upon us. He says in Romans, you are more than a conqueror. It wasn't me. He said through Jesus Christ. I can do all things with through Jesus Christ. He's telling me there is a son who wants to shine his radiation down on me so that I can be a superman for my children. We all can be supermen. We need some supermen. So that's why eventually we'll start having some superman conference and superman summits and so forth. Because you know what? I know if we turn this boat around and this man leading this boat around that we will have such an impact on the community, we will flip it on his head. Because if there's anything the devil wants, it's the man to be put asunder and torn down and be nothing. But what God wants, he wants men not to be some dictators, but he wants men to lead. 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 He wants us to be Superman through him. He's not asking us. He's telling us. He says, I know it's kryptonite out there, but I put some lead around it. The lead was my, my son, blood. He put his blood around it. What your kryptonite is, you can go to Jesus and escape from it. He said, I give you a path, but you need Jesus. Now for my ladies, this is a Father's Day message, but your role is not just to pray for us. Your role is to walk with us. Your role is to tell us in a good way. Please don't fuss. Please don't nag. But you can at times. But you have to remind us. God wants more of us than just hanging on the corner. God wants more of us than just watching ESPN. God wants more of us than when we just come from work and I just go with my little cubby hole. God wants us to be fathers like he wants us. He wants us to be the Abbas in our family. He wants us to be the pastors in our family. We, supermen, have to restore the altars. Yes, with the, the help of our ladies, but we ourselves are going to have to restore our altars in our families so that we can be in tune with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now this whole thing was, I want us to get the point. God's calling you 
more than you ever know. The world is going crazy. Every time we turn on TV, there's a tornado. There's a something. There's a something. Things are happening. I'm not telling you it's the end. But what I'm telling you, sin is present and it is running. He said the devil runs around like a devouring lion. He's trying to devour you. And what he's telling you, I'm here. I am a refuge. I'm an anchor in the storm. But I'm that son that you need. Will you lift your hands and say, Lord, I need you. I need you more than ever. It's all right to say, I made some mistakes. God's saying, cool. Because I'm the one that can make that spot and wrinkle removed out of your life. I'm a spot remover. Don't worry about that. Don't worry how your daddy didn't do you. Don't worry how men didn't do you right. Don't worry about all the things you've been through. You might have been abused as a child. You might have gone through rape. You might have gone through where no one told you you were beautiful. They might have told you you were ugly. God said, I created you. I made you beautiful. I love you. I'm here for you. I'm always going to be here for you. You might be out here looking for a man. And God said, first find the real man. I'm the real man here. Find me first. So what I'm telling you, it's time for us to repair. Our whole series is from broke to breakthrough. Broke down to breakthrough. Have you been broke down? Has anybody just been broke? But we come to a point where God is saying it's time for us to stand up. It's time. Amen? I'm going to open the doors of the church if I can get one song for Chanel. I want to just open the doors of the church. If anybody who wants to come down and accept Jesus Christ as their pro savior, this is the time. If there's anybody who wants to uh, come down for prayer, this is the time. If there's anybody who says, you know what, I'm looking for a church home. I want to be a part of a breakthrough. I want to be a part of a difference. I want to be a part of things we're going to try to change the world for God. I want to be a part of that. Then I want you to be a part of victory. If anybody says, I've been so far out there in the world, I just don't know what to do, Pastor. This is the place to come. Because I'm going to tell you, if you acknowledge Jesus Christ in all your ways, and you don't lean upon your own understanding, he will direct your path. That's a promise he gave in Proverbs 3, 5-6.